0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope trust in trusting Your ways. We Jesus is real.
1: Jesus did say that a house divided against itself, what, cannot stand. So. I believe that God wants to teach us how to be unified as the people of God from different age groups and backgrounds, different ethnicities, all put together as one in Christ. And then from understanding unity, a lack of divisiveness within the people.
0: You see it everywhere. You look, people at odds with each other over all kinds of issues. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that in a society full of arguments and division, God wants his people to stand for unity. As you study Paul's final thoughts to the church in Rome, you'll learn that he wants them to be unified with one another. Pastor Daniel encourages followers of God to grow in unity with one another and let that peace flow outward into the world. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 16 as he begins his message, Final Thoughts.
1: So here we are, the very last message in Paul's letter to the Romans. It's been such an awesome journey together. It's one of the things that I love so much about studying God's word is that when we began the book of Romans well over a year ago together... God has done so much in each one of our lives. I remember when I was in high school, I was always trying to figure out how do I not need to read the whole book that was assigned to me? And I remember someone said to me along the way, well, if you read the first chapter and then you read the last chapter, you can just kind of fill in the middle. Now, that may have been true when I was in high school, but that's not good advice for the Word of God because there's so many different things that that in God's Word that gets addressed, things that we need to learn. And one of the things that I love so much is that you and I need to keep reading God's Word over and over and over again. Like, as we finish the book of Romans, I do not want one of you to think, well, I've already studied Romans. I understand it. Next time someone wants to go through Romans, you're like, "Well, I don't. I already know that book." No, 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 no. Listen, God's word is living and it's powerful, and God's word interacts with us right where we are. There are things, as I've taught through the book of Romans with you all in this series that we've been doing, that I never noticed before. Things that, like, as many times as I've taught it, no as many times as I've read it and studied it, read commentaries on it, listened to people preach through it, preach a ton of messages through it and preach just a few messages through it, there's always something new for us to learn because God wants us to have teachable hearts that we would say, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. And so it's been a great, great journey. And so why just open up in your Bibles, Romans chapter 16, verses 17 to 27, the very last section there in the book of Romans one of the things that I hadn't noticed, of course, is what we talked about in Romans sixteen sixteen, where the apostle Paul said that we should greet one another with a holy kiss, and I made the joke that y'all need to pucker up. And I told you that there's, in, in five different places in the New Testament, it says that we should greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I'll be honest, since I taught that, I've gotten way more kisses here at Crossroads <laughs> than, than I had in like the years previous. But, but don't miss it, it's greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, so there's difference between a holy kiss and someone just being sleazy. You know what I mean? But the idea is is in, in that Mediterranean culture it's an it's an affectionate thing and God wants the people of God to be warm and affectionate to one another you know and and it was such a, I never realized that it was five other places in the scripture but now you know when you guys are kissing on me and I'm kissing on you in the name of Jesus it's all good but but what's what we're at now is the apostle Paul he's such a preacher because he already said hi to everybody he said greet one another with a holy kiss he said the churches of Christ greet you and then he still got a little bit more to say right it's classic you know i remember as studying public speaking and someone said when you say in conclusion that is not like the first of five in-conclusions. That when you say in-conclusion, you have to conclude. Right, But the Apostle Paul never read that book because the Spirit of God was inspiring him. So there's a few more things that Paul wants to share with the church in Rome that he wants to share with you and I. So look at what it says. Verse 17 of Romans 16, it says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, in the first of the final thoughts, Paul gives a very important Uh, exhortation and if I were to put it into a principle for us it's simply this brothers and sisters don't be divisive don't be divisive because notice what he says here he says now I urge you brethren note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and then avoid them So this is speaking about the the unity of the people of God. Now, what's amazing is that the Bible speaks a lot about this in a lot of different areas. Like uh, Psalm 133 verse 1 tells us how good and how pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell together in unity. In Proverbs chapter 6, one of the things that God hates is someone who sows discord among the brethren. Right. So now he says that you should note those who are divisive, who create divisions and offenses... And then ultimately you should avoid them. Now, the reason this is so important is because God's grace brings together and the flesh and pride divides. That's, really, that's the principle. Now, here's the deal. Just because someone disagrees doesn't make them divisive. See, because I want to bring this up because we live in a day and age, and especially now as, you know, as we look at what's going on in in our society, anybody who is with a position of power, especially within the church, anytime someone disagrees with them, like, whoa, don't be divisive, right? It's like, so it's not about always agreeing, but even if you disagree, there are proper ways to handle it, and then there are divisive ways to handle it. Right? Like, so in, like, and this is not only true for church leaders and congregations, but it's true in the way that we talk with one another. See, in Matthew 18, it says that if you have something against your brother, you should go and talk to them. Right? And then if you can't work it out, then you bring somebody else and you bring a second party in. And then if that doesn't fix it, then it gets, it amplifies from there. But what most of us do is when something goes on that we don't like, rather than talking to the person, we go talk to other people. Right Now, the division that has happened could be fixed by actually talking to the person who can fix it with the other person on the other side of the division. Right, So God wants us to be spiritually mature in the way that we handle disagreements and conflicts. But what happens is, is there are often times when people just don't do that and then it creates offenses, things that are stumblings for people. Or division within the church. And so what I have seen in 20 years of being a pastor. And also what I have seen being somebody who kind of likes the skirmishes a little bit. If I'm just being honest with who I am. I kind of like the madness. Like when something's going on I, I like that a little bit. What I've learned is that just because I am like that doesn't mean that I should be like that. And God wants us to work for unity. What I've also learned is that people who are the most divisive, if you talk to them about it, they always give you a scripture verse as to why they're not being divisive. And it's never God hates the one who sows discord among the brethren. It's never how pleasant and good it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. And it's never make note of those who cause divisions and offensives and avoid them. Okay? So God wants us not only not to be divisive, but I would say, in to state it positively, God wants all of us to work for the unity of the people of God. And not unity at all costs. Notice, it's unity within the doctrine which we have learned, within the biblical doctrine. But God wants us not to become like the world in which we live where you realize, anybody think the world in which we live today is unified in any way? No, right? It's like there's actually no such concept today. Why? Because there's no understanding of grace in our culture today. It's a lot of flesh. It's a lot of self-centeredness. It's a lot of groping for power. Right, But the thing is, is that might be the way our world is, but guess what? We are called to be a subversive group within this world. Now, Paul is talking specifically to the church, but I think that as citizens of not only heaven, but of citizens of this world, our seeking for unity within the church would also push us to seek unity within the world in which we live in. My greatest fear is the fact that our culture is beginning to fall in on itself. You know, and I read a great quote. It was about marriage, but I realized that this is about every relationship. I said, in a marriage, the key to a good marriage is acknowledging that you're the most selfish person in that relationship. Think about that for a second. Because most people, when their marriages are struggling, they say, my spouse is the most selfish person in this relationship. But when you come in and say, I'm the most selfish person in the relationship. Now, what's amazing is that you take that out of marriage, you put that in interpersonal conflict. If in the next time you have an interpersonal conflict, you go in and say, I am actually the biggest problem in this relationship right now. When you enlarge that into the life of the church or to the life of our culture, we live in a day and age where people say, oh, the reason our country is so messed up is because of the party that we don't vote for. What if we said... We are the biggest problem. See, it changes the entire dynamics of the way we look at things. Because now we don't see I'm blaming somebody else for the divisions. Now we're saying, what is my part in the divisions and how do I fix that? And Jesus did say that a house divided against itself, what? Cannot stand. So I believe that God wants to teach us how to be unified as the people of God from different age groups and backgrounds, different ethnicities, all put together as one in Christ. And then from understanding unity, a lack of divisiveness within the people of God, then it moves outward. It says this in Titus chapter 3, verses 9 to 11. It says, But avoid foolish disputes... Genealogies, contentions and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and useless reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition knowing that such a person is warped and sinning and being self-condemned wow now i just want to say this here at crossroads we don't have that going on, you know, and so it's a, it's a testimony to your maturity. Not that there's not everybody agrees with everything, but there are ways that we address our grievances. And there are ways that when we don't address our grievances in a biblical way, then it creates conflict and divisions. And I'm pretty grateful that we don't have that. But what's funny is, is I was thinking about this because, you know, as a, a family with three kids in it, me and Lynn have learned that the single worst question we should ask is where does everybody want to eat for dinner? Because <laughs> you know what happens? So we, are, we have a 14-year-old, an 11-year-old, and an almost 6-year-old. How many answers do you think we get? We get 97 answers is what we get. And they're never the same, you know what I mean? And then what happens is then before you know it, what's supposed to be like a, a fun night out becomes like a knockdown, drag-out brawl. Right, And it's amazing how just little kids can be so like, just because so-and-so wants it, it was like, I definitely don't, I never like eating there. Like, you just ate there like last month and you loved it, you know? But in that moment, and, and that we talk about it now because what we realize is that when we get in the flesh, division of what comes. But you and I, we walk in the spirit. And we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We let grace abound, and God wants that for us. If, you, if you're here right now, you're like, man, I am so divisive. I see it in my relationships. I see it in the way I treat people, the way I am online, at the office. My simple encouragement is stop it. Stop it. Like, you choose to do that. So, like, no one makes you do that. You desire to do that or you choose to do that. You know, and maybe for some of us we need to go and apologize to people. Like, Listen, I'm, I've been so divisive. Because notice it says here, it doesn't say try and convince the divisive person. It says make note of them, and then avoid them, right? As we read in Titus, it says admonish them twice, and then if not, then you just let them go. Because there's really no winning when someone is bent on that being that way. There's no winning with them. You know, I'll be honest with you, for those of you who, who spend your time arguing in the comment sections of articles and of Facebook, Can I just tell you this? Stop that. You should go pray. You you can pray. You get way more done than you sitting there all day. What are they going to say? You know what I mean? Feeding the beast of being frustrated. Stop that stuff. Now, I don't think anyone here does that, so I'm preaching to the choir. But like, seriously, there's such better ways to spend your time. They get in all work, fighting with people you don't know. You don't, you're not using your real name. They're not using their real name. God knows exactly what you're saying. <laughs> right? It's like, don't waste your time doing that. Work for unity instead. Now, because Paul says this, look what he says in verse 18, for those who are such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So the divisive person is not serving the Lord, but they're serving their own bellies and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the heart of the simple. So for the person who's divisive, it's a self-centered thing. And really what they're doing is they're trying to find a couple people who are immature, who they can link up with who they can bring over to their side. And so it's a great reminder for each one of us to make sure that we are being influenced by godly people and not being unduly influenced by people who are divisive, who aren't serving the Lord. Now, don't miss that. If someone is divisive, they're not serving the Lord. Now, this is an important thing because we do live in a day and age where the church of Jesus Christ, people are fighting over everything. Right? And what I realize is that when people are fighting in the name of Jesus, I, re- I say like, so are these fights about Jesus? Or is this about people trying to hunker down on their position? And I think it gets exacerbated by the fact that we live in a connected world. Right? Like where somebody who you've never met, now you feel like you have a, something to say about what they're doing, even though you've never met them, you don't go to church together, none of that stuff. But what I would tell you is what the decision that we've made as a church is the most important battle to fight is to populate heaven. And all the energy we spend bickering with other believers takes energy from our desire to join Jesus in populating heaven. So that's why, so every once in a while someone says, well, you need to comment on that thing. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> There's enough people commenting on it. My only desire is to see people meet Jesus. That's our only desire here as a church. See, people walk, and if you take your energy and put it to those other things, that's just energy that you're using, you're you're investing our energy in things that are temporal. Because think about the things we argued about 10 years ago. Does anybody remember what you argued about 10 years ago? Nobody does, see that? So we want to make sure we invest our energies in the right places, now, notice it says, verse 19, for your obedience has been known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Now, I love this because as Paul's closing this thing out, he starts saying that your obedience has become known to all. So the church in Rome has a reputation for being obedient. And here's what I want to tell you about obedience. Nobody likes talking about it. We didn't like it as kids. We don't like it now, but there are blessings on the other side of obedience. When we choose to obey what God asks of us, there is a blessing that comes on the other side of it. So really what you learn, and Paul's going to talk about obedience a little bit later in this passage, is that the life that God has for us actually exists on the other side of him inviting us to do something that we wouldn't do normally. Right, So you see what the word of God says, you say, okay, I'm, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to obey it. And then when you take that step, then you realize something amazing is on the other side of it. But for most of us, we don't realize the blessing that comes with obedience because we never took the step of obedience in the first place. And what I want to encourage you is that in your life, in, in, where you live, what is the thing that God is asking you to obey right now? That one thing in, in your life or you've been reading the scriptures, you've been thinking about it, and you're like, I know I need to do this, I just haven't done it yet. I want to encourage you to take the step of faith and be obedient to God's word. Because what you'll find is that when you do it and you take that step, at some point you realize, I'm so happy I did that. It's like when you read that Jesus says that you're more blessed to give than receive. And we live in a culture that says, you'll only be happy if you receive. And if you believe that to be true, spend a time with any little kid about 10 minutes after they're done opening their Christmas presents because they just received a whole lot. And are they happy? Maybe not. I wish there was more presents. All this stuff goes on. And then you step out, you serve the Lord. And then you're like, wow, Jesus isn't lying. I'm more blessed to be self-giving than to want everything to serve me. Right? So many people could tell the story of with financial generosity. You read in the scriptures that you should give. and say, I can't give, I can't afford it. And then you take the step and you start to give and you realize actually, I can't afford not to give because I have no doubts about my finances because my finances are in the hand of the Lord. Oh, and it feels great to not live my whole life focused on my kingdom. There's all these areas. And so the church in Rome was known for its obedience How beautiful He's saying I want you to be wise in what's good I want you to have wisdom in what's good And I want you to be simple I want you to be innocent in concerning the things of evil And then he says in verse 20 And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Will be with you Amen See Paul just starts to begin to say a benediction that because you're focusing and being wise in what is good, because you're being innocent, childlike in what is evil, let's make sure we remember who the author of peace and good is and who the author of evil is. And it's a great reminder that ultimately, God is victorious. This, of course, reminds us of Genesis 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed. And her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. These words spoken to Eve after she had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil speaks of the ultimate defeat of good over evil. Now, you realize that defeat happened in totality at the cross, but its, full, its fulfillment or its inauguration in totality happens in the soon return of Jesus. So it's already and it's not yet. That's what the Bible teaches. But ultimately, when you look at the world and you see all the evil, you have to remember that God has already conquered evil through Jesus' death and resurrection. And when Jesus returns, all things will be made right. And because of that, you and I are people of hope. We live our lives with hope. Because no matter how bad it looks, We realize that God has already done the work.
0: Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's message talking about obedience. You were reminded that God wants you to experience a life full of His joy and presence, but that life is found on the other side of what you wouldn't normally do. Pastor Daniel challenged you to consider what one thing God is asking you to obey. He encouraged you to take a step of faith and agree with God's word. You'll be blessed when you do. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Real Radio. I'm so excited about
1: what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at jesusisrealradio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at
0: danielfusco.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will explain that you need people in your life, a tribe, to share your life with. You'll learn that God designed you to be in relationships with other people. You need people to know what's going on in your life so they can help you walk through everything that comes your way. You'll find wisdom, encouragement, challenge, and blessing in the midst of your tribe of people. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Amplify. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.